talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. And we're back on the Tuesday Buckeye Talk. Cleveland.com, Doug Lee State, the Bears, Stephen Means. We're talking transfers. We have another draft thing that we're going to do later this week. I think we'll do it Wednesday. We're going to do 2024 mock draft. And will Marvin Harrison Jr. be pick zero? He'll be picked even higher than number one. But right now we're talking about this team, guys, because there was action over the weekend. And that is two guys in, one more out. And before we get into those, Nathan, can you just explain to people, again, the operational logistics of the transfer portal? I think we've tried to tell people along the way, but now that we're here and they're listening to this Ohio State Buckeye Talk portal podcast, where does the portal stand right now? So the portal closed on Sunday. Undergraduates had to enter by Sunday under NCA rule in order to, under their one-time transfer immediate eligibility rules, then move on to the next school and be immediately eligible. An important part of the conversation that we forgot to bring up earlier, I forgot to bring up earlier, frankly, is that that doesn't apply to grad transfers. The whole grad transfers have always been able to transfer and be immediately eligible. That is still true under the new rules. So if, for instance, someone were a fourth year player at Ohio State and were finishing their degree this spring or summer, I do not believe that they have to be in the portal in order to transfer and come off the books. But that's where uh, things stand with the portal. It is closed now until December, but that doesn't mean that guys can't still transfer. And actually, even undergraduates can transfer too. They would just have to sit out of here. Okay. So the thing that – this is like a big – like Michigan State's starting quarterback <laughs> went yeah. in the transfer portal like over the mm-hmm. weekend. Like there is some stuff popping here. Nebraska's starting quarterback went in the transfer portal – over the weekend, probably because he's probably not going to be their starting quarterback anymore. So there there are things that are happening. And we'll get to all the things that are happening with Ohio State, but let's start with what seems like the most important one from an immediate impact standpoint. And that is Jonathan Simmons, the starting right tackle at San Josh Diego Simmons. State last year. What did I call him? Randy Simmons? You called him Jonathan Simmons. Leroy Simmons? Jonathan Simmons? Josh Simmons. Who Jeremy Simmons was the transfer point guard at Ohio State for the basketball team like nine years ago. I'm at that stage. It's not Ohio State. It's me. Now, Baron Browning, Bryant Browning, that wasn't me. That was not my fault. Bennett Christian, Ben Christman, that's not me. That's Ohio State's fault. That's their fault. Those names are too similar. But Jonathan Simmons, Jeremy Simmons, Lou Simmons, whatever, that's my bad. I almost caught myself a couple times calling him Jason Simmons. People might remember NFL DB for several years. That I, that one I almost caught myself doing, but it's Josh, Josh Simmons. Josh Simmons is coming here from San Diego State. And Nathan, is he going to be the starting right tackle for Ohio State in the opener? I think there's a decent chance he will be. Uh, I think that, again, as we talked about before, in, uh, probably a similar talent range than some of the other guys that they have, but does have that year of experience. So at the very least, I think this is now a three-man competition to start at right tackle. Steven, do you think he's going to be the starting right tackle? Um, I mean, I don't know how set in stone we are that Josh Fire is for sure their left tackle. So I think I'll say he'll be a starting tackle. And like I wouldn't be shocked if like he's at left tackle and Josh Fire is at right tackle, or if he's at right tackle and Josh Fire is at the Joshes. The Joshes are at the tackles. But yeah, I do think that it's – 
it's a safe bet to say he'd be a starter because you don't bring a guy in here like that, given what we're coming off of in the spring, unless you're expecting him to potentially be a starter for you. To our knowledge, does he have any left tackle experience? Not that guys don't move all the time. You got a whole off season and preseason to do it, but he's a yeah. right tackle for the moment. I did mm-hmm. not ask him about left tackle experience, so I'm, I, I assume like a lot of offensive linemen, he probably played it at a lower level. He only played right tackle at San Diego State last year. However, it's what we call a callback to the pod. We were having a conversation last week about what happens when you have a left-handed quarterback and it flips the offense. Last year, week, I can't remember what week it was. San Diego State flipped its starting quarterback from a right-handed guy to a left-handed guy. So he spent a portion of last season as the right tackle in an offense with a left-handed quarterback. Oh, so he was doing the blind side. But but for him, it is about the idea that he you haven't played on that side and it would be an adjustment and it doesn't mean that you can't do it and it doesn't mean that you won't do it. But so, okay, so we, how, how do we view this? What do we think of this, Nathan? Is this, oh my God. Like, so here's, here's the other thing that happened, right? Like Tyler Buckner went from Notre Dame's quarterback competition to Alabama's quarterback competition. Now, if I'm viewing that for Alabama, it's like, oh, well, Ty Simpson and Jalen Milrow, I don't know that anybody really emerged there. That's kind of good to throw Tyler Buckner, who's a highly recruited guy. You throw him in the quarterback mix. Good for Alabama. I also might think, oh my God, Alabama is taking the Notre Dame leftover in May. Oh my, the Alabama quarterback room is on fire. It is on fire. I That's on a lower level. I think you can view the Ohio State tackle situation. And as Steven said, it might not just be right tackle, but, but Steven, right? Like, like what? How do we view this? Oh, good. There's another guy, or oh, this tells us exactly what they think of where it stands now. I think the perception of what you thought going into this decides whether or not you view this as optimistic or pessimistic. I think since you're using Alabama as an example, that's probably pessimistic because Milrow and Simpson are top 150 guys, and it's like, oh, they're not ready to go. They're having to go get the guy who lost the job at Notre Dame. That's probably a problem. We came in thinking that. Tackle especially was maybe going to be an issue, ready to be pleasantly surprised if that wasn't the case. But I think the fact that they had to go to a portal and find somebody isn't shocking. So we can be a little bit more optimistic with the idea of like, okay, Josh Simmons might solve some some problems that we already knew existed. Yeah, I think both are true. It's like, is it a is it <laughs> is it a good thing he's here, and does it reinforce what we thought before? The answer is yes. I think that's both things are true. But listen. What I've liked about him from the beginning, from an Ohio State standpoint, was this isn't a guy who is three or four years into this and has lost a starting job and is now looking for another gig or is or even is coming up from being a starter to lower level. The fact that he's only last year was a redshirt freshman, I think, is an important thing here because he's someone who gets to keep growing. I know that doesn't necessarily mean that makes him a plug and play no doubter. I don't know that that person was available in this cycle for Ohio State. But it is someone, again, this is not just a 2023 issue for Ohio State. The same guys would Mm -hmm. be in the mix again next year. And I know that they're high on um, Luke Montgomery. I know that they are high on Ian Moore. I know that they're, who isn't here yet, won't be. But and, And I know that they're high on Miles Walker having, maybe being kind of a diamond in a rough or somebody that they got, um, 
they ran on early and got a, got a good deal there. But you need more than two tackles, as we're finding out. So uh, just putting someone like this in the mix that has a little bit of a higher ceiling, he might have been a guy that got lost in recruiting a little bit because of COVID. Maybe there's something here that they can develop. But in order for the 23-3 impact to be there, it's got to be developed pretty quickly. I watched um, a couple of games on him. I watched the game he played against Utah. I thought that was pretty average. Uh, again, that's a, a second year. 40. though. A second year. Go ahead. Uh, just to cut piggyback, forty-one point nine PFF grade that that week, and that's and again the, w- w- one get, week, whatever. But but that was right. actually, I mean, his grade for the season wasn't spectacular. But yes. I thought he kind of got you know stunned around a couple times. I thought there was there was a fourth down play that that came his way that just seemed dead on arrival. Um, some, some moderate displacement on on some things. Like I, I I thought he was fine in that scenario. And then when I watched their bowl game against Middle Tennessee State, I thought you actually saw him shoving some guys around and, and, and imposing himself and looking more stout. The problem is Ohio State needs him to beat the Utah-ish people they have on their schedule, not the Middle Tennessee State-ish people that they have on their schedule. So he'll get here in the summer, presumably, and start working towards that. It's just another body in the mix that raises the the chances that they'll get a the, the best possible person, I guess, out of that mix. But I think it still remains to be seen what that means for the level of play that they'll get out of either of these tackle positions. So in the Mountain West last year, there were 21 offensive tackles that played at least half their team's snaps, and he was 18th of 21. So... Could we say a phrase like Ohio State adds 18th best tackle in Mountain West? We could. We could say that phrase. Ooh. It's like, oh, I got it. 18th best. So that's not normally a phrase that would inspire confidence at a place like Ohio State. But the the tackle play in the spring didn't inspire confidence. So when it's not – it's, it's like a buffet. It's a buffet. I'd rather – well, actually, this is a bad example because I was going to say I'd rather sit down and eat a good meal than eat at a buffet. I actually would rather eat at a buffet. I would rather eat a lot of mediocre food than a sum of great food. But many people would say, oh, I'd rather have the really good food. But this is a buffet. And it's like, well, it's like, hey, can we go to a steakhouse? And I was like, no, we can't go to a steakhouse. It's like, well, do you want to go to a cheap buffet? Then it's like, yeah, no, let's go to the cheap buffet. They're at the buffet portion of the offensive line because the stakes left. The stakes are gone. One stake is Arizona, and then one stake is in Cleveland, and then maybe the league thought, well, it's high-quality hamburger. Maybe it's not steak. And now it's just a buffet of tackles. And the more offerings you have, the better chance that you'll find something that tastes pretty good. So – I'll take. I'll put a little Joshua Simmons on my plate with a little Zed Mahalski. You know, you don't want to overindulge yeah. on Zed Mahalski, Stephen. Do Do we have to maybe factor in that maybe sometimes having a being in a better environment can you know produce better play from you as well? It's you know at San Diego State, it's not like he's playing with you know NFL level receivers, NFL level quarterback, and some of the other pieces that are around that maybe make it. I don't want to say easier to block, but for a lack of what, not having to block as long. Because you have Marvin Harrison Jr. and Matt Gambuka and Julian Fleming, and potentially a better court, a, a better quarterback between Kyle McCord and Devin Brown. So maybe if you factor some of that stuff in, there's a way you can have optimism there that it w- maybe wasn't going to show up at San Diego State. While with these other guys, they've had most of that, at least the quarterback part of it, and they still weren't necessarily playing up to the standard that we need to see from the tackles. 
Yeah, I mean, some of that should be baked into whatever grading system you're using to, to some extent, and hopefully it is in the PFF yeah. as well. I, I'm the one who has been, from the beginning, the most uh, side-eye on this idea of Ohio State adding this kind of offensive tackle and having it be a big impact for 2023. And I am trying to give some benefit of the doubt here that it was a second-year player. So I'm just trying to imagine, like when I was watching that Utah game, um, and I didn't get to watch very much of it, there wasn't much of a clip on there. But watching those those clips... I was trying to think, well, what do I, does this is what I think like Zin Mahalski probably would have looked like on the same snap last year. And the answer is, mm-hmm. yeah, that's about what it probably would have looked like too. There's, this is just a, this is a work in progress still. And it's, it's it, important work is going to be done this summer by these guys individually. And uh, it's got to look better this fall than it did in the spring, obviously. So I think Steven is right though. I think there may still be options on the table here as to, which side guys end up on. If they feel like right tackle wasn't it, but they know Josh Fryer can handle right tackle and they think this guy would be just as good as anybody else at left tackle, maybe that's something they look at too. I think Josh Fryer would have been better than the 18th best tackle in the Mountain West last year. I agree. That's probably fair. I don't know that I think Zed Mahalski or Tegra Shibola would have been. So if this is... Okay, now we think, as Stephen was saying, Josh and Josh, is that is that's the road we're going down, whatever side they wind up on. This is just one of those, to me, that if you had said, oh, Ohio State has one tackle set, and then they're Josh Fires, Emma Halski, and Tegra Shibola are in competition for the other tackle, I would have felt fine about that. Mm-hmm. That there's no sure things with that group, but you, you go one for three out of that group, and you'll probably, one for three will be a solid guy. I think that's realistic. When you had, when you had to go two for three, and then the third guy is like your swing tackle. There's just not a lot of room for error there. So I will say right now, I don't care about the 2024 tackles. So Nathan, to your point of the one thing about this guy is he's not a one-year thing. I'd take a one-year thing right now if I were Ohio State. Like give me Jonah Jackson. Give me Trey Sermon. Give me Tanner McCallister. Give me a 100%. one. 100%. Yeah. Anybody would. I, that guy wasn't out there this spring. So it's nice to, but like that's, it's such, it's so much more. It's not a year to year sport yet. You can't call college football that in the way that you almost can call college basketball that now, almost. You can't call college football that. But it is more of a year to year, one year thing than it used to be. So, yes, they need, the tackle issues aren't going to magically solve themselves in 2024. But they're trying to win a national championship in 2023 with Marv and Emeka. We're doing them together now. Marv and Emeka. You you want the Marv and Emeka show to have a great run. You don't want it to to be canceled because you couldn't get the curtain open. So that is the priority. And the idea that they that's what they've done in the portal often, as they've said. Do we have a hole? We'll fill the hole. Tanner McAllister fills a gap. Jonah Jackson fills a gap. Trey Sermon fills a gap. They would have filled the gap if they could. So this maybe fills the gap and will be nice in 2024 and 2025. But I do think what has to happen here, and I guess that's like, what do we think the chances are of this happening? That the presence of Joshua Simmons, either he wins a job, and is pretty good and has to beat out guys to win it. Or you throw this guy in the mix and Tegra Shabola and Zed Mahalski go, what? Oh, shoot. And they raise their level because you have competition here. And the result is 
Nathan, maybe it's not Joshua Simmons, but the result is a better right tackle nonetheless. Do, do you think this could have a, a pretty substantive impact on the chances of Ohio State good, getting good right tackle play this season? Yeah, I, I think just by you're playing the odds a little bit, like what you said before, right? Like you go from a one and two chance that one of these three guys could be a good right tackle to one and three chance. Your chances of finding it are, are better. Um, but I, I think there is some of that. The competition will help too. But you're also talking about a more condensed time period now. He His timeline was weird, and I actually didn't know this at the time when I got him on the phone pretty quickly after he announced his uh, – word got out about his visit. But he went in the portal in like mid-February. I don't believe he did spring football at San Diego State. So he should have just gone in in December. He could have been here the entire spring, and that would have helped. I'm not 100% of that, but I'm pretty sure of that. I know that he went he announced he was going to the portal in February. So that would have helped. That would have given him, I think, a real leg up in this. Now you've got to kind of try to catch up at the level that those two guys were at, just as far as knowing the offense and that sort of familiarity. But I do think that those things are not completely just coach speak, that um, you know, it, it's already a battle, and now you're adding another guy into that. It just raises the, the heat a little bit. 6'6", 305 is what he's listed at at San Diego State. Steven, just by like the the profile of what Ohio State wants in offensive linemen, that's not bad, right? I mean, like I don't I don't want to I don't, you know, you don't want to like talk this this guy played as a this guy played major college football, started in major college football as a true freshman. So we're we're trying to walk the line here between retro freshman. Retro freshman. You know, as a redshirt freshman, we don't we don't want to be like overly optimistic and be like, boom, San Diego State guy solved. But you also can't be like, oh, San Diego State guy, because one of the guys who this is and Stephen, we have to be open to this. And, and I can't. I, I wish I had a better college football analogy that was jumping to my brain right this very second. Maybe you guys have one. But like Jalen Pickett for Penn State basketball was at Siena and then came to Penn State mm-hmm. And then in his second year, Penn State was one of the five best players in the Big Ten. And it's like, oh, what's the Sienna guy going to do? It's like, I don't know, be first team all Big Ten. So there are times when guys jump from mid-tier competition up a level. And and again, the very specific circumstances around Joshua Simmons here, that he was a guy who had power five interests coming out of high school, got trapped in the COVID loop a little bit, stayed close to home. I, I do think there is possibility of real upside here, Stephen. There's always late bloomers, especially in football, especially on the offensive line. And just because we were dealing with COVID, if you're in that 21 class, that probably wasn't the year to be a late bloomer. Had that year been normal, is he 342? I don't know. Maybe he's 214 or, you know, 186 or something like that, just because he would have had that summer that they lost, that summer of camps and showcases to really show himself. Now, I'm not saying that that would have turned into an Ohio State offer, but maybe Oregon isn't the most impressive offer coming out of high school high school for him. Maybe USC gets involved. Maybe some Big 12 schools get involved and maybe some SEC schools and maybe some Big 10 schools start to get involved as well. So maybe there is some picket here of maybe coaches didn't get a chance to get a real evaluation of this kid out of high school because of what the circumstances around him. And so he might end up being better than his ranking just because he didn't get a chance to get a true evaluation. Now, that's you want to 
give that a grain of salt because I think sometimes we do that a lot when Ohio State gets guys who are maybe lower rated go hey maybe he might just be better than his ranking just because Ohio State's got him now so it's maybe that's the case but also he just might be what he is and that's a pretty quality dude but it's just one of the mix just because of where your offensive line is right now I will say in the end I will remain a little surprised for instance there's a guy Omar Spates was one of Oregon State's best defensive players last year and he just transferred to LSU and is starting at LSU at linebacker next to Harold Perkins, who was like one of the best freshman defensive players in the country last year. And it was just a totally established guy at a place like Oregon state. who was like, I don't know, maybe I'll go try to win a national championship. And he went to LSU and they brought him in as a starter and he's starting right away. I just, I, I, I understand we all know what Ryan day and the, what they've said over time, Nathan, about how they want to handle the portal, that they aren't, as interested in sort of promising starting spots to guys. But I just wonder about like the chance, like, and they had that with Jonah Jackson. Jonah Jackson was an all big 10 player and then came to Ohio state. Like I'm just still in the end, a little surprised, Nathan, and not in this window because it's harder, harder to find that guy in this window, but that they didn't get that guy in the first window because they knew, they knew what the tackle situation was and that they didn't bring in a guy who, okay, you're not handing him the job, but it's like, okay, He's a multi-year starter on a Power Five team and was all conference. That's def- he's definitely more established than the guys we have here. I don't want to call it a failure, Nathan, but I'm just a little surprised they didn't pull that off. I think it's really hard to use the word failure as it applies to the portal because you're really at the mercy of what's available, and it's not like you have hundreds of guys to pick from, really. And the one, as we said before, the one thing that hasn't come to fruition the way we thought it might be is a a program like Ohio State, it's widely known that they need help at a position and somebody doesn't see the bat signal and just take the, the, the opportunity. It, it, it That doesn't really seem to be – happened, I think, a little bit with Trey Sermon. I, and they, they were already knew they needed help there before Master T got hurt. So the ball was rolling there a little bit. That, that And the other dynamics there were going to make that work out. But in general, like whether it's offensive line, whether it's cornerback – it doesn't really seem like that is the way it has worked yet. And I've been a little bit surprised by it. You see a lot of times with guys who go in the portal and, 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 and girls, cause it's other athletes it's, it's, and women, cause it's other sports too. You can put in the portal that like they ask not to be contacted because they already know where they want to go. Like I'm almost surprised that there isn't some of that happening with, with programs like Ohio state or, or other big programs. But the other thing is in the age of NIL, um, why limit yourself? Even if you think that Ohio State's a great opportunity, somebody else might rise up and and beat the offer, I guess. So uh, I I was surprised too. Uh, they tried in the in the off season or in the in the I'm sorry the December portal. I think what maybe what stands out to me is I I hear what you're saying about not caring about Josh Simmons uh, long term as it pertains beyond 2023. But if this is the kind of guy they could have somehow gotten in the portal a year ago. Like get him, it's hard to do because they're starting at a lower level. But if you get that guy and say, and convince them of this massive need that you have in two years, then you've got time to develop them and stuff. And that maybe that makes more sense. But how do you get that guy to come in and not, because if you have the opportunity to recruit over him with the guy that you're asking for, then no doubter, you're going to take him anyway, right? So I think that's tricky as well. So like Jeremiah Byers was a guy like this. He's a four-year guy at UTEP who did have Ohio State on his list of possibilities 
in the first portal window, and he picked Florida State, and he's a starter at Florida State at right tackle. And he's an established guy at UTEP who's coming for one year, and Ohio State talked to him, but Ohio State didn't get him. But if you get him, he's it. Like, you lock that guy in. Florida State locked him in. So, yes, there aren't a million of them, but there are a couple, and they didn't get they didn't get any of them. So now they're here, and in the end, I think they wish their offensive line room wasn't in the position to need it, but since it is in a position to need it, it's good they added somebody. And my guess, if I had to bet money right now uh, based on nothing, I would bet that he's the starting right tackle in the fall. So it doesn't mean it's impossible for it to be Zen Mahalski or Tegra Shabola. It doesn't mean that they guaranteed him a starting spot, but he started in college football and the others, these other guys haven't. So we'll see what happens. Okay. When we come back, another guy in for the Buckeyes. What might he do in the fall next on Buckeye Talk? Doug, Nathan, and Steven back. We want to uh, just briefly say uh, RIP to Bob Kennedy, who was the stadium announcer in Ohio Stadium for the past two decades. So he, if you went to an Ohio State football game, He's the voice you heard over the PA. He's the voice you heard, you know, given the announcement in between uh, quarters, you know, for like, do this or do that, or like just the, like the, the voice during the game. Bob Kennedy did that, and he did it at a bunch of other Ohio State sports as well. And he was just like a really nice guy who was around, and you'd see him in the press box, and you'd say, hey, Bob, and you know, he just really cared about Ohio State football and dedicated a big chunk of his life to it. And it's, you know, I mean, it's the people like that that sort of make the world go round that like just they go, they show up, they really care about something in a big way, and then they go about their jobs and, and they do it well. And you, I know a lot of you listening to this have been to games at Ohio Stadium in the last 20 years. You've heard his voice. Like you, you, if you just conjure what you hear over the the public address announcement at Ohio State, and you it was about Bob Kennedy, and he died over the weekend at age fifty nine. So, um, and just like a super nice dude. So really sad that he's uh, gone at the age of fifty nine, and you'll be hearing somebody else there in the fall. But I think to have a voice like a person that you never met but that you heard their voice at a place that mattered to you. That's like an interesting way of like how somebody becomes part of your life in a way that you don't even realize. And for millions, I mean, you think about how many people have been through Ohio stadium in the last 20 years for millions of people. Bob Kennedy was one of those people. He was part of your life because you really care about Ohio state football, whether you knew it or not and whether you knew his name, but you knew his voice. So rest in peace to Bob Kennedy who passed away at the age of 59. Let's talk about the other player that came into Ohio State in the portal over the weekend. And this one is slightly, not complicated, but it's a little more interesting, Nathan, because it's Lorenzo Styles, the brother, older brother of Sonny Styles from Columbus, played against Ohio State last year as a receiver at Notre Dame, is coming to Ohio State as a defensive back, but we're not even 100% sure exactly how he's getting here, Nathan. Just tell us what we know about the Lorenzo Styles situation before we get into how he might impact the team. Yeah, so right now, like on our scholarship chart that's posted on our site, I'm not listing him as a scholarship player yet. I've been trying to get an answer from Ohio State on that. I don't think they know yet exactly how this is going to work out. 
Um, I think right now the understanding probably is that, you know, if a scholarship opens up, he can have it. But uh, they are not at that right now where they can they, they are kind of at their limit on the number of scholarships that they know are open and that they can pass out. So um, that's going to potentially change between now and August. So that'll be just something for us to monitor. But um, regardless, if there's you know one place where someone could probably in his situation could come again. Um, there's, there's, there's family ties, there's, there's everything else here. Um, I, I could, you know, you can see why he might, uh, take that short term risk to, to come here and be part of this. So this is a borderline top 100 recruit, Stephen. He, according to the two, four, seven composite was the number one fifteen player in the class of 2021. And he was one of these guys, right. Who's a little caught in between on what do you want to be? And, this happens to a lot of guys in recruiting. Maybe you want to be something and some schools want you as that and some schools want you as something else. We saw this very recently with Ohio State and Chip Trainum. that Ohio State liked Chip Trainum coming out of Ohio, but not as a running back. So he wanted to be a running back. He goes to Arizona State and then Ohio State's like, hey, if you ever want to be a linebacker, let us know. And he's like, okay, I'll be a linebacker. And he comes to Ohio State to be a linebacker. That's exactly what's happening with Lorenzo Styles going from receiver to defensive back, right, Stephen? Yeah, the same kind of happened with Steel Chambers, where they were suggesting him be a linebacker coming into here, but he was hell bent on being a running back, so they let him try it out. But by the logic of Chip Trainum, that means that when we get to the Michigan game, Lorenzo Styles will be among the starting wide receivers because that's the Chip Trainum style. Uh, but you have to remember that 2021 receiver group, right? It's Marvin Harrison Jr., it's Emeka Ibuka, and it's Jaden Ballard. Those were their three. So there was not really going to be room for him to play wide receiver here. They saw him as a cornerback. He saw himself as a wide receiver. So he ended up at Notre Dame and obviously ended up deciding to make that switch. I think he was repping at corner this, this spring for Notre Dame before he went into the portal. So he was already planning to do that before he decided to come home. So doesn't feel like going to be a starting cornerback for Ohio State in 2023, Nathan, right? You're changing sides no. of the ball. I don't know. Denzel Brook looked aren't good in the spring and they like Jordan Hancock and they like Davidson and Bignosen, but it feels like he could be a starting quarterback at Ohio state in his life as a football player, maybe in 2024, right? Yeah, maybe. And and he did rep at, at corner just at the end of the spring. He only had a couple of meetings from what he told some of the reporting I was reading up there. So it was at the very end of the spring that they had gone forward with this conversion. He was going to play both ways in their spring game, and then he went in the portal before the spring game. So he didn't play either way in the spring game. And, you know, corner is it's, – it's an interesting time for him to jump in here because you have a situation where Ohio State has um, you know, really only two draft-eligible guys going in this year in Burke and Jordan Hancock, and one of them has barely played. So you would think, you know, odds are that both of them wouldn't necessarily be heading out the door this spring by this time next year, but we'll see. But they're also filling in behind that with guys that they like a lot. You know, Davis and Igbenosin had a good spring. Jair Brown has been showing some good things. And then you've also, you've got Jermaine Matthews and Calvin Simpson Hunt coming in, who are both guys that they really like and and thought were going to be dudes long-term in that room. So I'm curious how quickly... Lorenzo Styles can kind of get up to speed. The other thing I think that's worth mentioning here is he's got a little size to him. What is he like six one one ninety something like that? So yep. um, not 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 wayfish by any means. And this thing that Jim Knowles has been talking about, where 
cornerback style athletes maybe being at that nickel. That's just something I'm keeping in the back of my mind as we watch him develop here over the next couple of years. Cause I think that's a, that's a plausible thing too, depending on how this development goes. But the other thing I brought up a couple of times and I have not talked to the styles is about this, but I just think it's worth mentioning in this situation like this, where a guy is switching positions, he played as a true freshman. He has not used a red shirt season. So again, that just something to keep in mind as you're looking at the full timeline of what his career could be at Ohio state. I think that nickel position makes a lot more sense just because, I mean, the floor of this cornerback room might be getting raised significantly over the next year with the guys who are already on the team, plus what they might do in this 2024 recruiting class here. And I mean, we've, we've done it in other positions where it's like, why would you play the guy who is started out here and is now transitioning to this spot versus a guy who's a top 100 recruit who came in here as that already, why would you play him over that? I just, I, it's, it's a cool story to come home and be able to play for the school place. Your father played for and be able to play, play with your brother. But I think that I'm, I'm more in a wait and see mode in terms of what his actual on field impact could be in a room where Tim Walton seems to be accumulating some pretty quality talent here over the next year. Do you, do you mean in 2023 or do you mean long-term Steven for Lorenzo when you're in even, wait and see mode? Yeah. Even long-term with that, because let's even if Denzel Burke does go pro and George Hancock is still here, Davis Igmanosin is still here. You've got the two freshmen are still here. Jair Brown, if they hit on some of these corners that they want in this class, they might end up getting three guys who are in the top 150. There's just going to be a lot of talented guys in that room. And I don't want to, I don't want to not be waiting SEMO with a guy who also has to spend a year learning how to play the position again at this level. I will say though, if you are a borderline top 100 national recruit and you started at Notre Dame, he's not coming here to be like, Oh no, maybe I'll get on the field someday. Yeah. He's start. He led Ohio State, excuse me, Notre Dame receivers in receptions last year. It's not like it's not like he didn't have he could have been a starting receiver at Notre Dame again this year. With mm-hmm. Sam Hartman, the quarterback play at Notre Dame is going to be significantly better. So it must be that he visualized for the league. I saw the Nathan Smirk again. The Nathan Smirk of like, I don't really know how much better no. Sam Hartman's going to be than Tyler Buckner. I mean, who knows? <laughs> not what, at all what I was smirking about. I was smirking about the fact that he it just his receiver production hasn't been off the charts by any means. I think there was a, there was just an idea that maybe this athletic fit made more sense. No, but I, because he thinks for the league, he he like right. I mean, you have so it's he's entering his third year of college football. Okay, I earned. A starting job at Notre Dame as a sophomore. That's pretty darn good. But why? So why are you changing? Why are you changing? It must be that when you envision your future, and they did bring in a couple. I think there's a couple freshman receivers at Notre Dame that people like. (laughs) But when you envision your future, do you think, okay, well, beyond college, what's my chance? Maybe my better chance is on the defensive side of the ball. But he's not going to get to the league being Ohio State's third string corner like running with the threes like he's gonna have to play at ohio state to get to the league and i think he's coming here to get to the league because a guy who was a borderline top 100 national recruit changing from one power five school to another in year three when he was already a starter at the other place has to be thinking nathan about getting to the league so i also he must be thinking about getting on the field maybe not in 2023 but my guess would be he will be very competitive in 2024 to be a somewhat primary part of the Ohio State defense. And again, it all depends on what the numbers look like 
regardless of him. Like we said, if you, Denzel Burke, very good chance you would think of leaving after this coming year. Jordan Hancock hits, very good chance of leaving after this coming year. So now your need for him to be ready for something in 2024 goes up significantly. And if we talk to Jim Knowles for the first time and he's like, oh, he's the perfect nickel guy. It's like, okay, like we're yeah, on yeah, alert right. for that too. Of like, okay, mm-hmm. well, now we're talking, we're like having a different discussion. It's like, okay, well, can you beat out Jihad Carter and Cam Martinez? Or we don't know what that position is going to look like next year. Again, like I, I just think 2024, Lorenzo Styles has a chance to be part of this Ohio State defense in a somewhat significant way. All right, let's talk about the guys leaving Ohio State. So was the only new one over the weekend, Nathan, Caleb Brown from the receiver room, right? Correct. Yep. So he joins Caleb Burton. Don't be confused. They're both Caleb B, but Caleb Burton was Caleb with a C. This is Caleb with a K. Caleb mm-hmm. Brown. Steven, you've been on alert for this. This is the second second year receiver to go. Caleb Burton, when we talked about his, him transferring out, no traction. No traction. Injury in high school. Injury at Ohio State. No traction. What do you think the situation is when you look at Caleb Brown, Stephen? I think if we were going to pick two of those four second-year guys who wouldn't be here at the end of the spring, I think I would have picked these two, Burton, for the no-traction reason. Brown, because of I don't see where he gets onto the field because of what he is. He's coming here to be a slot guy, and his best chance to get on the field this year would have probably been as a return specialist because you've got a Mecca Ibuka coming back as your starting slot. Xavier Johnson is back, who's probably your backup slot, and back up everybody right now. Brandon Ennis is showing up here in a month. Well, officially showing up here in a month. He's been up here forever and a day, it feels like, who will also probably be a slot guy. We've seen you know, Bryson Rogers might end up being a slot guy. There's just a lot of guys. And there's no clear path for Caleb Brown to get onto the field here. He's a quality player, a guy who played running back for most of his career. So there's that yards after the catch that he brings to the table. It's just there is a long list of names that you say in in the slot before you say Caleb Brown's name. Even a year from now, it wasn't a guarantee for him to get on the field here. And he probably saw a little bit of that yeah. writing on the wall and went to the portal. Yeah, that was the thing. It's like, the ho- it, it's say next year, as we talked about before, there's a big – competition that's going to break out in that in that receiver room for all these spots that are vacated and and lining up a whole new two deep in that in that room but i think it's it's tough probably from his perspective have not spoken to him but from his perspective to wait out another year to then maybe be brandon ennis's backup or something you know what i mean like that is just a tough Mm -hmm. situation and now you're now you're three years in and it's like um he's the guy i'm not predicting him to be the next jameson williams i am not making that prediction but of all these guys who are leaving, he's the one that fits into that more rare category of guys who like go look at the list of places that he didn't go that he had offers from in out of high school uh, in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And it's it's Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin, Alabama. Um, I mean, just the whole Big Ten. Uh, so like there's a bunch of places where he could go and Ohio State's going to have to defend him later. And I think um, he might could give them problems like he's a he's a talented guy. Michigan had a lead with him for a while before Ohio State kind of flipped things there, maybe like a couple of maybe a month before his commitment there. So a Midwest kid like Caleb Burns probably going to end up somewhere in the southwest because he's from that area. Caleb Brown's in Chicago. So in the name of like they might have to defend him later, they he might end up at well, a Big Ten school and Ohio State has to deal with him. Yeah. What if you go to Illinois and you're like their best skill player, like, yeah. or, um, you know, Wisconsin, Wisconsin's a new coaching staff. I don't know what, 
interaction he had with Cincinnati back then, but like he would be in addition to this new thing that Wisconsin's trying to do. It's just a guy that I, a lot of these guys leave and you're like, well, we'll see what they do down the line. And I'm not, again, not predicting he would come in and like it, he's going to go somewhere and just blow Ohio State off the field. But a guy that you may have to match up with later because uh, I know he didn't have a lot of snaps here. I think he only played like a couple dozen snaps 24. last year. Right. A couple dozen in, is the way we say it in my family. Um <laughs> but I thought it meant something he got on the field at all last year because not every true freshman did that out of that receiver room. Um, but also on top of that, um, you were hearing things about him. He was a guy that, that you could hear some buzz building behind the scenes about him. Like, just because of his skill set. Um, I remember writing a piece because uh, um, Devin Brown had talked about him at one point and been like, I had no idea he used to be a running back because he looks so good, looks so fluid and, and, and experienced as a receiver. And that was one as a true freshman. So good things were happening with him, but good th- playing time wasn't probably going to happen with him here unless something unfortunate happened in front of him. That's just a tough thing to bank on. He was the highest rated receiver in that mm-hmm. Ohio State recruiting class in 2022. Caleb Brown... 247 composite was the number 79 overall player, number 13 receiver. Keon Graves, who is still here, was number 88 player, number 14 receiver. Caleb Burton, who already left, number 132 player, number 21 receiver. Then Kojo Antwi, who's still here, number 151 player, number 26 receiver. So year two um, for those guys, two of those four receivers are already gone. These are the only guys in the class of 2022 for Ohio State, who were ranked above Caleb Brown. C.J. Hicks, Sonny Styles, Devin Brown, Kenyatta Jackson, Amari Abor. And a lot of those names you've been hearing us talk about this spring because we think they're going to be impactful guys for Ohio State. So, again, it, it doesn't leave a hole in the receiver room, but that's how what's what people thought about this guy coming out of high school. And and I think the point that Ohio State may see him again is, is one that's very well taken. Okay, that's who's in. That's who's out. When we come back, we'll reset the numbers of final time and try to figure out where this roster is for the Buckeyes. Next on Buckeye Talk. All right, so Nathan, where do we think the numbers are officially right now? As I look at our scholarship chart for the receivers, for instance, I think we have 11 receivers. Xavier Johnson and Julian Fleming uh, as seniors. Marvin Harrison Jr. and Mecca Buka as juniors. Jaden Ballard and Kojo Antwi. Now a second-year guys, and then Keon Grays, Brandon Ennis, Bryson Rogers, Noah Rogers, Carnell Tate among the freshmen. What's the overall number that we're talking about, though? So by my count, it's 86 right now. They were at 89 coming into the spring. They had four go out, and they've had two come in. I'm missing somebody. Oh, and only one come in, though, if, if Lorenzo Styles is not on scholarship. So four to one, so that would get you to 86. Now, that doesn't count a couple of things. Number one, the grad transfer thing I said before. They have a couple of offensive linemen who we've talked about before who are fourth-year guys or going into fourth year, so that would maybe be an option there. There are occasionally sometimes also where players just decide, I'm not going to continue playing football, but they don't have to go into the portal to do that. I asked today uh, someone at Ohio State. They said no update on that yet, um, but I think that's something that that could be hanging out there. And and then just uh, – so, so yeah, so there, that puts them at 86 and, and then now we wait to see if they try to add anyone else. Um, Taiwan Malone was in for a visit over the weekend. I don't know if that sounds like a, a promising match right now, um, a position of, of help, but not a dire position as the way offensive line was uh, trying to get some more help there. 
So, uh, but 86 is the number. Oh, and the one, I'm sorry. I was trying to think of the one thing I was forgetting. And that is the Avery Henry situation, which um, a guy was undergoing cancer treatments. And I think Ohio State is trying to figure out um, if it needs to, is there another way it can classify him? So the scholarship comes off the books for this fall. My, my conversations would indicate that that's something that they're, they're not sure exactly how that'll be handled yet. And again, just that's not pulling a guy's scholarship in that situation. It's Correct. just that he would Correct. remain on scholarship, have his mm-hmm. school paid for, yeah. but would not count against the scholarship allotment for football. It's it's weird. If you read the NCAA bylaw, it says if a guy encounters something where they can never play again, and that's the way it's worded, then you can take them off scholarship for the football team, but keep them on scholarship. They did this with Harry Miller. They did this with Marcus Crawley. Mm-hmm. They've done it before. But then like right under that, it says, but then if things change, you can just put them back on scholarship. So it's like, well, so then it doesn't have to be like a forever thing. It's there seems to be, I, we're trying, they're, they're trying to work that out. I think exactly what that means and how it could pertain to him, but it may not come to that. So in the end, this idea, and, and I can't remember what the over under was, but one of the things we did on a recent rapid fire, rapid fire was like over under for receivers and offensive linemen leaving in the portal. And so that we got to two receivers, Stephen, I don't think we're surprised by, but I think maybe we're a little surprised that there wasn't more offensive line movement out for Ohio State. Those guys have a right to stay. But as we sit here, that it happened at receiver and not at offensive line. What do you think, Stephen? I think it's pretty shocking. And it's like twofold because it's shocking. You thought there'd be some some attrition there. I think we were shocked by who the attrition ended up being with uh, Ben Christian. Um and then the fact that he was the only one, I believe, um, was pretty ben shocking Christman. as well. But the, like you said, Christman, I'm so glad <laughs> this is over. I'm so I'm so happy this it's is over. It's not over. I'm so happy. <laughs> it won't be the last time we have to talk so about happy. these guys. I know, but it's only one of them we have to talk about now. Um, but I think the wide receiver one wasn't shocking, but it was shocking from the offensive line standpoint twofold. Who ended up leaving in the fact that only one of them left? So when we talk about four out, Nathan, right? It's Caleb Brown, Caleb Burton in the receiver room, Ben Crisman on the offensive line, and Jake Seibert as a cornerback slash kicker, right? Those are the four? Right. Okay. And then, again, it's a little weird. Like, oh, Lorenzo Styles is a borderline top 100 national recruit who caught a 50-yard pass against Ohio State last year and might be here not on scholarship. So they're really, that's like an extra over, but this is, you know, you work at some, you work with the Styles family, I'm assuming a little bit, which happens when the dad played here, another son is already here. It's almost like a little bit of a gray shirt in the middle of a career yeah. of, listen, he's going to get on scholarship at one point. You might have to bear with us for the fall because then guys will go to the league and then things will clear up. And he'll be on by January. It might be one semester that they would have to pay at the most before it happens. But even having a family willing to do that is quite a luxury for Ohio State. And tip of the cap to the Styles family if they are willing to be patient with that. Because you're getting, got Nathan, an, an extremely talented dude who maybe does not have to count against your scholarship number if you're right up against it. And they remain right up against it for now, even as we said, one over. But in the end, Nathan, what do you think of this offseason maneuvering for Ohio State? That this is, if this is their portal experience from the end of the 22 season to the start of the 23 season, how'd they work it? I think they did 
okay. I think getting Davis and Igmanosin looks kind of huge right now. Not just because he's kind of big, but I mean, just the impact could be huge. Um, I think you're right that not getting a sure fire impact guy, and there did, you know, there do seem to be a couple of those guys. The the, the kid from Rhode Island, the kid from Washington State that went to USC, the the guy you mentioned before from from Tulsa to Florida State. Like there were some guys out there that probably could have been almost plug and play for them, especially the ones that could have been here for the spring to get acclimated there. Like to to come out of it and not get one of those guys again. I don't. I'm not that sure that I would use the word failure, but it would certainly keep them from getting like a really good grade if you're grading them for the off season because that that was the one that was even the bigger need than Igbenosin. I think as you look at it in the long run. So um, that he's a help, and um, we'll maybe see if, if that looks like an even bigger impact down the line. But the the. Even if even if Josh Simmons comes in and helps, it's still like I think he's of the same caliber of the guys that are already competing for that job. So it still almost is like you're 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 still almost filling that from what you have within. I will say again, we just have to keep in mind they were they continue to not lose guys that they really really want, and if you just want a, a taste of this, right at Michigan State last year. Peyton Thorne was the quarterback, and the two leading receivers were Keon Coleman and Jaden Reed. Keon Coleman had 58 catches for 798. Jaden Reed had 55 catches for 636. Jaden Reed was the number 50 pick in the draft in the middle of the second round on Friday. And then Peyton Thorne, the quarterback, and Keon Coleman, the leading receiver, both went in the portal. So the entire Michigan State passing game exploded over the weekend. And that's the kind of thing, Stephen, like that is just, and I don't know the ins and outs of what's happening at Michigan State, but Michigan State is not that, is two seasons removed from a New Year's Six Bowl, which they built on, well, it wasn't last year, but it was the year before. So one season removed, it was two years ago. They built out of the portal with Kenneth Walker the third and guys like that, they build a, a, a top 10 program and now they're sitting here and they have losses like that after spring football. I, I don't know what happened with Keon Coleman, Stephen, but it's it's devastating. Like, how do you make up for that? I, I but before Steve, like, like, like to be go ahead, David, the, go ahead. Go ahead. Before Steven answers, they also lost starting cornerback over the over yeah. the weekend to the portal so like again three of 22 starters gone in the portal and not guys that were just starting because they needed somebody to start i I mean it's literally living and dying by the portal and i think part of the 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 thorn thing was i think they brought in a quarterback to compete with him this spring at the the quarterback position from the portal as well so it's literally that and that's not the word ohio state wants to live in i don't know if it's healthy for any program to want to live in that space where it can be that drastic and that dramatic either way, whether it's benefiting you or hurting you. But I think Ohio State's, I think Ohio State's approach is the right approach for a team of that caliber where you're looking to plug some holes every so often. I just don't think they have hit a home run. I think they hit a triple with Davis and Igbenos and that could turn into a home run depending on how he plays this year. But I don't think they hit a home run in a way where it felt like that 100% solve issues the way we've seen them do in the past with guys like excluding Justin Fields from this conversation, like a Jonah Jackson. I don't necessarily think there's a Jonah Jackson level 
guy who on before he even plays a snap, you know how big of an impact that get is for Ohio State. And just to be clear, they still could add guys. The portal remains yeah. open. You just had to be in by now. But Taiwan Malone, Nathan, is the only guy that's on the radar that we know of at the moment of guys who are in the portal and perhaps have Ohio State interest and Ohio State has interest in them. Right. Has was was here for a visit. And, you know, the other thing about the Josh Simmons thing, too, is he told me he had a visit to, was it Florida, that was lined up next, that he was going to be going somewhere after Ohio State. So they got him to commit with another spot on the board. So maybe that actually gives further credence to you know, what they've seen in him and where they think, where they're telling him he fits in as far as their plans right now. All right. We wanted to update you guys on the portal. I hope that did it. We'll keep bringing you the information on the texts that we send out 614-350-3315. If you want to subscribe to that, it's two week free trial. We'll be writing stories about it at cleveland.com slash OSU. And then we, of course, we'll talk about it here on Buckeye talk next Buckeye talk. The plan is to go into the future and try to predict what's going to happen in the 2024 NFL draft for the Ohio state Buckeyes. And we will revisit and reveal what we predicted a year ago for the 2023 draft when we did the same thing a year ahead. So you start doing things a year ahead, then you just create content on top of itself because there's nothing people like more than people talking about how wrong they were about things. So we'll talk about what we thought about CJ and Paris and Jackson and Ronnie Hickman and those guys a year ago. But most importantly, the Ohio State could have a bunch of first-round picks in 2024. And we'll talk about that on the next Buckeye Talk. For now, for Nathan Baird and Stephen Means, I'm Doug Lee Maurice, and that was... Fuck, I talk.